Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Safe Inside. These are conversations about school safety. My name is Robert Nall, and I'm the Director of Data Management here at Inside. And normally you'd be hearing uh, directly from our founder and CEO, Dr. Steve McKinney, and our Senior School Safety Specialist, Prancy Robertson, but today's episode would be a little bit different. We wanted to bring to you a recent discussion about a successful implementation of one of our more recent product releases, that being Inside Live Plus ETS. Inside Live is our base camera surveillance module, but we've been able to provide additional elevated temperature screening capabilities through our partner, Eagle Eye Networks. Uh, in this episode, you will hear directly from Tad Druart and Jody Russell from the Eagle Eye team, as well as Steve McKinney. The segment centers around the implementation of ETS devices at Florence City Schools in Florence, Alabama, and it gives us some clarity and benefits of these systems. Um, it also highlights some of the communication and technical elements and it adds some specific insights from the folks that were on the ground during this project. We hope you'll enjoy this discussion and we will see you on the other side. Good day, everyone. I'm Tad Druart. I'm the Vice President of Marketing at Eagle Eye Networks, and I'm honored to host today's webinar. My, my father was a high school teacher and administrator, and my mom taught kindergarten for more than 30 years, and my, my sister's an elementary school teacher. So I've been around education my entire life, but I honestly never thought I'd be hosting a webinar on thermal cameras to scan elevated body temperature to help stop the spread of a pandemic. So, and I'm sure as educators, none of you were thinking you'd ever be on a webinar about that as well, uh, but we're here. And our goal today is to help you better understand the value of this type of system, how to approach putting a system in so that it is most effective, and then share some lessons learned from a couple of uh, professionals that have done this a couple of times or more than a couple of times and can share their lessons learned on what's worked, what didn't work, and some of the pitfalls that you might, uh, might experience. I am joined today by uh, Jody Russell. Jody is one of our systems and security integrators here at Eagle Eye Networks. He's been in the industry about two decades, and the more complex the challenge, the better Jody is. He's had a great deal of experience putting in installations and making the impossible possible. We're also joined by Dr. Steve McKinney. Uh, Steve is the founder and CEO of Inside. Uh, he has spent the last 20 years working in engineering, programming, emergency management, public safety, homeland security, and most importantly, school safety. He's developed and implemented numerous systems to help protect law enforcement, public safety, school safety. Uh, if it's complicated and important, Steve has done it. Uh, he's a native of, of or lives in Florence, Alabama. So uh, for most of you that are from Alabama, Mississippi region, his company Inside, founded in 2015, serves uh, Mississippi, Alabama, the Southeast region, focusing on comprehensive school safety planning, prevention, controlled access, all those things that are important to you. They've got more than 2,500 schools that are using their primary platform now. So Steve, welcome, Jody, good morning. And Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thanks. Good morning. Thank you, Ted. Good morning, everyone. All right. So uh, let's get started on the agenda. We're going to cover you know, a little bit about the confusion, the concerns. There's, there's been some, some good, bad, and ugly when it comes to putting in these systems. So we want to make sure we address those. We want to share with you the key elements of a successful project. And then we'll spend a lot of time uh, 
Steve and Jody worked together on a very successful implementation of the Florence City Schools there in Florence, Alabama, and can share with you some of the lessons learned from that. And then we'll take your questions. So again, we want to gain clarity around what that body, elevated body temperature system is and does. Make sure you understand the key communication and technical elements. Uh, as we were, were building this pro project and talking about it, I learned very quickly that communication is important as the technical implementation. So we'll, we'll dig into that. And then, as I said, get insight from Steve and Jody. Uh, why are we doing this now? There's a time for action. Uh, COVID cases obviously spiking everywhere uh, around the world right now. We, we were all probably getting tired of hearing about that. Steve, uh, you might want to comment a bit. There's about at least 170 million available in Alabama, but other states as well have some monies available from the CARES. You want to elaborate on that? Sure, Tad, thank you. And one of the things uh, that we did want to kind of emphasize today is that there are some time limits on some of these dollars. Um, there's, there's very few ways that the dollars can be spent. Uh, they have some significant restrictions on application and use, and they will expire in the state of Alabama on December 15th. Now, some of those dollars, especially for higher ed, uh, will extend on out until May. Um, and there is a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of chatter that there will be additional dollars coming, but um, that that deadline we are aware of, and you can really only spend this on a couple of things. One being a short term of school nurse salaries, um, and then this, of course, being systems for screening, and this is probably the most low impact method of mass screening that is available. So that's that's one of the reasons we want to emphasize this and make sure people understand uh, the clock is literally ticking on the use of those dollars. Yeah. Uh, and as we get toward the end, we're going to ask you, you know, if you want to be contacted, Steve and his team have helped schools with that process so they can contact and work on you, work with you to do that. I think that other aspect, you know, you know having a father who was a teacher and administrator, it went many years ago from teaching to now our communities have even higher expectations of protecting the safety and the health of their students uh, with COVID that's exasperated. And I think one of the other things that is important to remember that, you know, while there's some short term things that need to be done to get those dollars and all that. This system will be available long after the current challenges. I, I came across the data point that there were 164 million lost school days each year from students, teachers, because of absenteeism. And about a third of those, even prior to COVID, were due to influenza, SARS, other activities. So even when we kind of get back to normal, and I think it'll be a while before we get back to normal on COVID, uh, we'll, will need systems like this. Uh, and, and Steve, you're also talking about there's other needs uh, that particularly schools, I think it was in Alabama, need to have from a, a safety and prevention program. You wanna elaborate there as well? Sure, and, and part of this can fit into your overall biological hazards planning process. So one of the things that uh, the Department of Education and others are starting to emphasize much more, we've always had as part of our emergency operations plans, and this is also true in Mississippi, by the way, but um, it, the, we've always had as part of our uh, emergency operations plans a component of biological hazards planning. And the primary focus of that was on flu season. So so what is happening now, obviously, is, is there's a much higher emphasis on that planning process 
and um, the the implementation and methods to help you screen and protect. And so, um, as as part of that requirement that's coming on, uh, this this fits into that overall planning process and can be a measure that you you use for that screen. Great. So we want to right off the start and address some of the key concerns and questions. Uh, it's really important to understand that when done right, and that's what this uh, webinar is about, doing it right, these systems can be very effective at helping you reach goals. Uh, we've seen some negative media coverage. And, and when you looked at that, that negative media coverage, it was typically due to a rushed or poor implementation. There have been some vendors of cameras uh, particularly that also have overhyped what the cameras can do and their capabilities, uh, making it look like a standalone camera system could work for you. And we'll go into that. that this is not a standalone camera system. Uh, and, and, and Steve, you were talking a little bit too, if you want to highlight on some of these others, but a lot of times it was because people rushed and didn't really plan well. There, there's a lot of that. And, and, you know, sometimes it is just due to a lack of, of understanding or experience doing this. Um, and it is new to most of us in the industry. It's a different type of technology. This is not just a traditional uh, surveillance system. You can't simply point the camera in the right direction and move on to the next one. That's, that's not what we're dealing with. So there's been a lot of uh, misunderstanding of the technology and what could be done. And Therefore, the implementations uh, a lot of times have been very rushed and without the lack, you know, just the overall lack of research and understanding prior to that. With these systems, you have to focus very, very much on the site design and implementation. And if you are in kind of a rush to get that implementation in, in place, it's easy to overlook that part of the process. And it will have a huge impact on your actual effectiveness and application and it'll also have a huge impact on your process because what you want to make sure of is that you're getting the best results and you will get false positives false positives are not a bad thing it's better to have a false positive than to miss someone who is has an elevated body temperature but you don't want to get a uh, uh, an overload of false positives and that can be mitigated by a good site design and good process of implementation. And, and Jody, part of the reason we're, we're doing this too is kind of, you know, we'll be doing similar webinars with our, our resellers and other systems integrators, but you know, we, we've had elevated body temperature or thermal screening for a while, but are, are, are you seeing some new concerns, new issues and people who've really never had to implement them, trying to learn quickly in the marketplace as well? Yeah, absolutely. As what Steve was speaking to, I think uh, really, really uh, clearly explains what the problem has been up to this point, is specifically when we look at negative media coverage and the misunderstanding of the system capabilities, the process and who you choose to partner with during that process is the really the more important facet of this. The technology is there and Eagle Eye Networks has done very extensive testing on all the various cameras that have made these sorts of claims about being able to provide this solution. And then based off of our testing, we are partnering up with uh, 
resellers, integrators that understand how important the process is and understand how important it is to uh, really look at this as a long-term solution that is not just a piece of technology that we sell and walk away from. Uh, we are really providing a full solution. Along with that comes the consultation and the management of the solution. And that's probably been one of the challenges that I've seen come from the rush for this type of solution is uh, you have, you know, kind of the, the guy that comes in because there was a storm last night and starts selling roofs. Uh, and then you never see the guy again. Uh, we have to come in behind that guy and kind of explain why our solution is better and, and how we can manage and proactively uh, console on how to keep the solution going the way it should be. Great. Yeah, I think the other aspect of it too is anytime you talk about putting a camera system like this into a, a school with, with particularly kids, we also... You know, there's concerns about FERPA, there's uh, privacy, you know, what kind of hassle will be. And I think that's, as we'll talk about here, when, when done right and the guidelines are followed, followed there are not going to be any issues with FERPA. Uh, it's not going to be a, a hassle. It will be, we'll talk about some behavioral changes, uh, but it will make your, your, your campus safer and, uh, and hopefully healthier. So with that, let's get into uh, talking about, you know, Steve, uh, I don't, I don't want to read this, but why don't you give a kind of overview about, about how thermals cameras work and, 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 and what we're really talking about here. Yeah, and, and this is one of the critical parts to understanding really what the system does, right? The way that it actually functions is each, each device has two cameras in it. The first is a normal camera, a normal surveillance camera, high resolution, normal spectrum, so the normal colors that we see. And effectively, that portion of the camera does the first part of the process. So that portion of the camera passes along that image of people walking in through whatever the entrance may be. And the, the, the software on the camera then identifies what is a person and then isolates the face. And once it do, does that, it passes it over to the second camera, which is the thermal camera. And the thermal camera then measures the emissivity of the, the the skin so effectively what we're seeing there is a measurement of heat being missed or, or, or uh, reflected off of the skin and so what you'll see there is the temperature of your surface skin is usually about 1.4 degrees uh, lower than your actual core body temperature so we get uh, a, a pretty accurate uh, measurement right out of that and and the couple of things that it does and you'll note here in one of the images that's displayed is it attempts to identify the portions of the face that are the best for measuring that temperature so we have to have some skin visible and we have to be able to isolate that face first of all but it does it really really fast 30 milliseconds or less it's able to do this process so it can really move through a lot of people and have you know a accurate result of screening to identify people that you should do a secondary check on Hey, we talked about these images. Um, if you'll remember my picture, I'm, I don't have a lot of hair. Okay, 
I don't have any hair left anymore, but, and, and I live in Austin, Texas. So if I'm outside in the sun and walking in, I'm, my forehead might be 105. That doesn't mean I'm running a, a temperature. So you were talking yesterday too about the, the guidelines and making sure we're calibrating and setting up the system. We'll go into a little bit more about that, but is, is that something you should touch on here? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things you can even note in the, the picture that's uh, on the right-hand side of the screen above the, the individual's face there, and you'll see a little a glowing box and that glowing box is called a black body and the black body is required to calibrate and understand for for the the camera itself to understand what the the temperature is around it so what what the black body does is it's set to a 40 degrees celsius or 104 degrees uh fahrenheit and it provides a constant emission of, of, of temperature that the camera can say, I always know exactly what the temperature is there. And then when you have some ambient temperature changes like doors opening or other things like that, or you have that individual come in from the outside who has, you know, been been working out or, or for kids been playing on the playground, that gives it a point of truth within the system to be able to understand. And that also increases the accuracy of the measurement because we have that. A lot of the systems out there are saying that they don't have to have a black box or a calibration device. Um, and what that effectively does is it changes the accuracy of the system from about plus or minus 0.3 degrees Fahrenheit to plus or minus 0.9 degrees Fahrenheit at best, at best. And when you start to talk about effectively a degree of temperature in measuring an elevated body temperature plus or minus, that's significant. Um, and so it does fall within the, the guidelines at the absolute extreme of it. But one of the things that we chose to work with Eagle Eye specifically for was that they understood that the FDA says you must use a calibration device. And they understood the reasoning for that process. And so it's very important to incorporate that in. It does make the installation and the site design a little harder, but it is critical to get the best results. So to get the best results, then we, we've learned that there's kind of four key elements of a successful project. First one being setting the expectations, and we'll go into more of these in more detail, but clearly communicating what this system can and can't do. Uh, the people, the processes, it's not just about the technology, it's about behaviors and process, and we'll go into that. Next, the site design, uh, and then how do we make sure we manage those behaviors and processes to make sure people are safe? We'll talk about the FDA guidelines uh, because that's been a part of what's caused the confusion. There'll be manufacturers who their guidelines might differ than FDA guidelines. And as Steve mentioned, we, uh, we want to work with the FDA guidelines. We want to make sure we're following the CDC guidelines to help you be successful. That installation, the testing and the calibration, making sure that everything is working the way it's supposed to. And then finally, uh, an area that often gets looked anytime you're implementing a technology system, but, but training, uh, making sure that the people handling the system are trained properly, but also the people responding to the positives or the false positives? Uh, and then is your partner going to be there when, when you need them and what kind of support you need? So with that, Steve, why don't I just turn it over to you and, and you and you and Jody can kind of start talking about how you set the expectations and, and where you go from there. Sure. 
So, uh, and, and Jody and I have had conversations about this since, you know, before we even began uh, the, the, the Florence project. Um, but we learned a lot in that process as well and, and validated a lot of what we thought to be the case. Um, one of the, the key things is identifying those key relationships. So what you have to do when you come into the location is identify the people who are really going to be the critical uh, critical points of, of, of contact and review and and be working the individual doors or entries at your school. So for Florence City Schools, it, it included primarily the principals and assistant principals um, with some additional staff that uh, may have been you know, working in a supporting role. Uh, and then also, of course, the school nurses. And so we'd come in and we work with those individuals to design the site and help them understand and help us understand what the flow is going to be. When we came into each of the schools, the first thing we told each principal is we had two primary objectives. The first was to give them confidence that the people coming in their school did not have an elevated body temperature. And second was to have as minimal a impact as possible on their existing processes, because that's one of the major concerns. So, you know, the technology, of course, is only part of that solution. The people are critical to it. And so what you have to effectively do is teach not only initially the teachers and the other staff members about what the expectation is of flowing through those sites and how it works, but you also have to communicate that to the students and make sure that those teachers are, are, are uh, understanding the importance of that process while trying to keep that, that disruption as minimal as possible. Um, it's definitely not a set and forget it system. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, the, one of the things that we, we worked with each school to help them understand is we, we provide a non-contact infrared thermometer with every one of the cameras. And the purpose there being is that this is a screening system. It is to identify people with the potential of having an elevated body temperature and then use a secondary method to verify that or clear it. So what you what you do in that kind of situation and process is you identify the individuals, you pull them aside, you do a secondary check. If you get a positive result on the first check, which is the screening from the system, and a secondary check, which is a non-contact infrared thermometer, then that's when that person needs to go to the school nurse and you need to execute your processes. Um, you know, one of the things that we wanted to make sure, of course, all of our, our, our clients and, and everyone we were working with was understanding as well was the value of a cloud-based implementation like this. It allows for a lot of flexibility and it also gives you uh, the ability to have, you know, a secure, uh, consistent off-site storage um, and a lot of additional processing power. So a lot of these things could not function without that, that you know, computing power and storage power that is available in the cloud, and Eagle Eye provides that. 
Um, and then, of course, communication with the community. You, you have to communicate and help everyone understand exactly what is expected of them uh, and exactly how this works to allay any kind of concerns or fears because parents are going to have some. And part of that is good signage and good communication. Um, we provide, uh, you know, one-page flyers that explain the process to help them kind of go through that. And the overall part of this is to make sure that everyone understands that the purpose is to minimize the exposure and the spread of COVID. And before we jump to this next slide, Tad, I want to just hit a couple of things, because this is, in my opinion, uh, one of the most important aspects of what we're talking about today. And one of the things that has probably been uh, one of the greatest uh, reasons that there's been so much confusion and concern over these solutions and the negativity that's kind of come up recently in the press about them is that a lot of, uh, of people, a lot of competitors, they have not managed the expectations appropriately. And we have done a great job, in my opinion, from Eagle Eye Networks, but then also in our partnership uh, with Inside and, and what I witnessed myself with what Steve and his team put together before the project even got off the ground, uh, as far as setting those expectations with multiple meetings with the school, uh, plenty of documentation on the process and how it was going to how it was going to uh, affect their students entering the building, their staff entering the building. We spent a lot of time making sure that they understood this not a set it and forget it system idea. And the technology is only a part of the solution bullet point that we have here. We, we talked at great lengths about that because it really is true. The process is the, is the thing that's going to make this work successfully. The technology is great. There's a lot of really good technology out there. I think what's happened with a lot of the competition is they, they they talk on the technology more than on the process. And so then that expectation is set that the technology is gonna do everything for them. And unfortunately, because of the sensitivity of this, that's just not the case. We can't rely on just the technology. We really have to be able to set the proper expectation of what the process is and then what to do when these things do come up as far as someone having an elevated body temperature. Yeah, I think that's, you know, as, as we get through this, uh, even as a parent, it, it's important to people understand that this is, it's a part of a bigger system and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it's, it's not going to diagnose. It just says that person may have an elevated body temperature. It's not designed to diagnose that if they're sick or not. And you, 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 my, my wife's best friend is a school teacher and had a fever and they were celebrating because it was influenza, not, not COVID, uh, that, that type of thing. So again, it's not just about COVID, it's those other things, but it's not diagnostic, it's directional. Um, we're not going to go a lot into this, you know, for time's sake. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to send you after this, we're going to send you a checklist that helps you, uh, you know, follow some of the guidelines. We're also going to send a link to the FDA guidelines, uh, so they'll they'll help you understand them. Uh, but we wanted to share them a little bit here. That this is kind of the guidelines, uh, some of the key aspects. Uh, that technical thing of what the FDA is looking for to say, you know what, this is an effective system. If you can do these these things right, you're going to have an effective, uh, a more effective system. And so as, as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, how do you get the confirmation from a secondary device that has to be a part of it? The equipment accuracy, where it's set up in the room and how it's set up, and then you know, the differences in lighting that lighting can make. So there's some guidelines there that again, if, if you're working with a vendor and they haven't talked to you about the guidelines and how that's part of your setup, uh, that, that should be a, a red flag. Uh, 
But let's go ahead and talk about that site design, Steve and uh, Jody, and uh, kind of give us an idea of, of, of what needs to go into that and, and how we move from there. Sure. Uh, one of the things that, that we, you know, in our research prior to the deployment of, of the Florence project, one of the things that we identified really early was that you've got to spend a lot of time on how the people flow through your testing area or target area. And I, I can't emphasize this enough. The, the crowd management or flow is absolutely one of the most important things that you can do. Um, you know, like we've said, the technology is fabulous. It is it's really impressive. I mean, it'll blow you away. Most people don't realize what can be done there and how accurate and how well it works. But it only works because of the way that your people flow through and what those individuals have been conditioned to do. So you can, you can make the system not work well by not having good crowd control or flow. And part of that is, is helping condition them to understand, hey, you know, I, I don't need to be looking at the ground, right? Uh, students need to be, you know, at least looking up at you. And one of the things we talk to a lot of our, our principals about is, hey, you know, all we're saying is maybe when you're monitoring that entry point, you try to make eye contact you talk to the kids you know it's just a hello um, and we provide signage that also says look up like you want to be uh, aware of, of of that condition when you're going through this testing area and that and, will help you with the throughput too so I'm sorry Steve I, I, I found it extremely interesting and and actually it was kind of it was it was a lot of fun to uh, watch how the students started to react as we were doing the initial deployments and then going through our own testing on and, you know, kind of fit you, uh, optimizing the setup, et cetera. And the kids coming in, once they realized that they were a, a, an important part of the process, they fell in long, they fell in line and they played along to a T, uh, you know, we're at the point where some of them are even waving at the camera and the idea of having the principal standing there making eye contact, I thought that was a fantastic idea. And then it turns out, well, most of the principals, they were already doing that. And the kids were already used to seeing their principal there waiting for them, you know, to greet them as they were coming into the school. And so it, it sounds on, uh, when you look at it on a, on a, on a uh, bullet point, it, it kind of sounds like a little bit of a checkpoint, but it's really not. It's not a checkpoint at all. Even though you have signage and you have, you know, measures you've taken to control the flow and the throughput, uh, it, it's really more about the human nature and, and sort of getting people to understand that this is not um, a checkpoint by any means, that this is just simply a new part of how they're going to get into the school every day. And it really only takes a couple of seconds. But it was really interesting to watch the kids' behavior sort of change almost overnight uh, when we were doing our real-time testing there on site. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that stood out to me as we've gone through this. You look at those next bullet points, you know, background temperature. We, we can control those at activities you know, it's the people aspect of it that becomes harder to control and even in the people aspect of when we're doing the implementation are is it people you trust and are they are they trained and educated around the guidelines and how to do this so you know, i think the key came back the technology is a critical component it's excellent but it's only as good as the people and and the behaviors that will allow people 
and you know, it's kind of funny because the, the one camera that we probably had the most difficulty optimizing during the initial rollout, uh, was the camera that had the, the parents that were coming into the office. And so, you know, the, the students fell in line really quickly and they, they understood what they were supposed to do. And, but for a parent who's just trying to get their child to school or maybe get into the, uh, into the office to handle something really quickly, it's new and it's foreign. And it feels kind of strange. And so that, that camera, we actually ended up having to sort of uh, optimize in a different manner than we initially planned because we were not necessarily accounting for the, the parental behavior um, mm -hmm. as much as the, as the students. Yeah, that was a that was a front office kind of a situation there. And so that's exactly it is, uh, you know, we had a lot of adults coming through there um, and it was elementary school. The elementary school kids, man, they picked it up. No problem. They did great. But the parents were always the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Steve, the, the building room control, the alert response, those are pretty yeah. self-explanatory here. Sure. But give, give us a little color on the accuracy, stability, resolution, what, bandwidth. What are we talking about there? Yeah. And, and, and primarily what we're trying to understand when we come into the site is, you know, what is your network situation? That's a critical part of this. This is a cloud-based system. So we do want to ensure that we have the ability ability to you know have a stable uh, uh, connection out um, but even if you don't because of the way this system is designed uh, and because of the way that we deploy the CMVRs or the the, the eagle eye equipment on the edge of the network um, if you did have a, a blip in your connection or something like that it still handles that um, so that's that's really critical to the stability of the system so what is going on there is the camera to the CMVR interface is doing that hard work and making sure everything's working and that's a close connection and then it connects outward from via your network to the to the cloud so even if there is a, a downtime in the internet uh, connection then you still will be able to rely on the system it will prompt you as soon as that connection comes back up um, and and the accuracy and stability is is retained that way as far as the the site design and the and the management aspect of it you know we are we're working with inside for example uh, to determine how what what is the system going to be used for outside of just the thermal screening solution because a lot of times you're you're putting a camera right at a front door or a main entry point and so it just it generally falls in line that this camera could also be used for general surveillance uh, and security. And so the resolutions that you might be expecting for general surveillance and security aren't necessarily required for temperature screening, but we still wanna take that into account in our site design. Uh, and then that will play into say the bandwidth scenario because the resolution is going to require bandwidth. The higher the resolution, the more bandwidth. But it's important also to, to understand that Eagle Eye Networks is we're a cloud platform. And one of the reasons that we are um, putting ourselves above our competition with these types of solutions is because of the fact that we're leveraging the cloud, which means that we have the ability to assess and remotely support a system uh, indefinitely. And that's a very important aspect to, to keep in mind. All right, Steve and Judy, I'm gonna, I wanna make sure we have plenty of time for questions and lessons learned, so I'll probably speed us up through some of these, these next ones. I think this next slide here, the, the thermal system components is, uh, you know, just so people understand what, well, you, know, you know, Steve, you talked about the thermal earlier and the visible and the differences between that. Uh, the calibration unit was there. 
uh, the recording system, but you know, and then maybe Jody, this is a good place to talk about. There's the, the recording system, there's the, the, the hardware there in the building, uh, but also you know the opportunity to have a display device in a different location, and, and that is you know give us a little background on that. Yeah, so the local display device, it's listed as optional here. Uh, of course, all of the Eagle Eye uh, VMS hardware has a display out, uh, but because this this hardware is not intended to uh, to, to be a, a video display platform, so to speak, uh, you know, we're, we're concentrating our resources on getting the video recorded, securely encrypted, and, and then intelligently managed. Uh, and so the, the video out on the VMS doesn't display necessarily in real time and at, and at full resolution, whereas you can add a local display device, uh, which we sell uh, from, through Eagle Eye Networks, you can add that local display device and have it say, you know, in the, in the nurse's office. And then the nurse has the ability to watch without having to be in front of the door to watch in screen. Or maybe it's a, a another officer, a compliance officer that's watching the process and they can do that through that local display, which is displaying real time, high resolution, true frame right and i think i'll just you know add there you know steve you want to elaborate that that thermal calibration unit the, the black body the fda guidelines require that there's some manufacturers that don't require that with their camera but i think that's a key component that you've, you've got to make sure you're getting the calibration done right and, and and what i'm hearing you say it's your belief that that is the best solution Right. Correct. Yeah. And, and it's just a critical, it's a critical piece of the equation. And the reason people are trying to kind of the, some of the, the, some of the integrators effectively are trying to kind of dodge some of our even manufacturers is because it does add a, an additional installation complexity. Right. But it is absolutely critical to the process. Okay. Uh, we're, we're not going to dig in a lot on this one. It's, uh, it's just a, kind of shows how the system works technically. You have the visual, the, the video, the thermal goes in uh, to the hardware. It's, it's, you can see it locally. It goes into the cloud. You can send alerts. And I think that leads to that next component of this is alerts, other considerations. Uh, you know, obviously, how do you want to be alerted? You know, does the principal who's standing there at the door, how, did, how does he know? So talk about those other considerations uh, if you would, Real Steve. quickly, uh, on the previous slide that you had shown where it showed the, the CMVR device and then the arrows pointing to the cloud down to those devices, uh, this was one of the most interesting things that I witnessed with the Florence project. The very first day that the system went live, there were person, there were uh, school personnel standing there at the testing station with an iPad in their hand. And the ability to do that on a normal on-premises system is severely limited or at least very complicated. Whereas just having this little cloud icon here on this graphic is really a powerful way that we can leverage the cloud to display that real-time video and those alerts that you're talking about on the next slide. But it was really cool to see it happen in real time um, there on the video. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, having having you know, we've all been in schools. It's it's hard to for a, a teacher administrator to to stay in one place. You know, other things are happening, and and so you you have to move around. So that ability to to be remote on an iPad or on your iPhone or, or a mobile device and be able to get those alerts and see it is, is going to be important. So. 
and another element of that too is is part of the way the Florence uh, team decided to to implement was really we we wanted them to have again that minimal impact on their process. So you know if they've got an iPhone or an Android phone or an iPad or tablet or even you can see here on the right hand side like uh, an uh, Apple Watch, uh, you you can have those notifications come to you where you don't have to watch the live video right that's an option and it's a great option but you don't have to so that can have a significant impact in minimizing the impact on your normal processes after you have the system a little bit it's calibrated it's working great you, you start to gain that confidence that if it if if someone comes in with an elevated temperature it's going to let you know and it's going to happen fast and that also allows the 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 student or excuse me the the school staff to do the, the whole thing about making eye contact with the students they're they're watching the process and they're watching the students flow through and saying good morning to them and not having to sit there and just watch the screen and look for a, an alert notification to pop up on the screen they can rely on the fact that their their smartwatch is going to buzz their wrist and they're going to look down and see the notification and then be able to quickly grab that student uh, for, for additional testing it's, it's pretty impressive yeah. Um, I was going to highlight, too, the, the final bullet on cybersecurity. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal last week about uh, ransomware attacks on school districts that had been uh, had elevated since COVID. And, and you know, one of the, the, the important things about any system like this is making sure that it's cyber secure, that you're not creating an opening for somebody to get into your system. And I think that that cloud-based environment like, like this system is built on cybersecurity helps prevent that. Yeah, that's that's one of the areas that Eagle Eye Networks is really going to shine. You know, apart from the the elevated body temperature uh, solution itself, just the fact that we take security as serious as we do from from a VMS standpoint. Uh, you know, obviously having a bunch of little computers on your network, which is essentially what modern cameras are, uh, introduces a lot of risk into your network depending on how you're trying to access those cameras utilizing Eagle Eye Networks and leveraging the cloud technology. And because of our our background with, you know, starting with Dean Draco himself and, and his background from Barracuda Networks, uh, you know, we we put cybersecurity at the forefront of everything that we're that we're releasing. And so we're talking about what we consider bank level uh, cybersecurity. You know, we're, we're encrypting everything uh, in AES encryption standard and it's transmitted fully encrypted. The video stays encrypted at rest. No one has access to any of that data outside of the user. Uh, and we don't require anything from the IT team as far as punching holes into a firewall or anything like that. Uh, we're, we're doing outbound communications only. And we have an isolated camera network, which is very important because that means that the cameras cannot be touched by the internet. And that means that the cameras cannot touch the internet at all. So uh, there, there's a lot of important things about cybersecurity, but specifically through Eagle Eye Networks because of the way that we put it at the very beginning of the application. Yep. And, uh, and I would add one little element to that. It's part of our process and what we were doing to determine. So we, like, like Tad had said earlier, we, we inside works with over 2,500 schools and part of our process in determining who we wanted to partner with and who would be our, uh, our camera and system provider. We uh, evaluated a lot of options 
and and really what it always came back to was exactly what Jody's talking about there is there is concern about you know these being or or most all of the the cameras now being uh, Chinese made and so part of the way that Eagle Eye does what they do they're the only ones the out there that can say that they are totally isolating that camera's communications. The the approach that they have in the systems design is 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 really ingenious in that capacity. And it can give you a lot of confidence that no matter what, that system is isolated and controlled by Eagle Eye and managed and monitored in their cloud environment. And and that's that's critical to give you know your IT staff that that sense of confidence in the system itself. Great, and I want to get to lessons learned in the Q and A real quick. But I, I, this kind of goes back to a little bit more. We talk about the people, the training of the, your your screeners is important. How you're going to handle positives, false positives, uh, and I think a key component on the support too is the the system utilization reporting and troubleshooting. Uh, the benefit of a cloud system here for you as a school district is like Steve doesn't have to be you know as, as the partner that they're working with. He doesn't have to go on site to check the system. Is it up and running? Are we getting the right reporting at it? Are the cameras working well? He, because of the way that system is, he can do that remotely. Uh, you know, with COVID, we're trying to prevent the exposure to his, his, you know uh, people to people. So not having to send people out there to go on site to troubleshoot uh, is going to be an important aspect to consider, um, as well as the response. If they do have to go on site, how quickly can they be there? Uh, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, seven thirty, when the, it's most busy. If you've got the system down and they can't get there, that that's a real problem. And you know, Tad, another really important part of that is that these cameras, as we mentioned earlier, you don't set them and forget them. There is going to be some calibration that has to be done as temperature changes, you know, through the seasons, or if the school has a minor renovation and now all of a sudden there's a window. Uh, we have the ability through our camera technology to go into that camera remotely, whether it's Steve and his team or Eagle Eye helping Steve out with it, uh, we can go in there and we can make those calibration changes throughout the entire school year without having a person on site to do that. Great. All right, Steve, lessons learned. We'll, you know, I'll let you just kind of get through these real quick and then we'll open it up to Q&A. Yeah, um, one of the one of the first and most important things that we definitely learned out of out of the process and and both through our research and through the implementation is you really need to spend some time on that site design. You really need to think it through very carefully. And the thing I always told my guys was, you know, it's kind of an old adage, carpenter's adage, measure twice and cut once. This is one of those implementations that you need to be doing that type of consideration. Do everything you can to minimize the disruption but also think through that flow to to make sure that you are optimizing it to get the best results and you know the second lesson that we talk about is that critical technology engineering basically is worthless if you don't have good social engineering and and what i say by that is is the technology is solid you can count on it it's impressive it's it's amazing but if the people that it is effectively measuring do not cooperate or do not 
understand what the expectation of them is, you can have a reduction in your accuracy and effectiveness. And so in order to optimize that, you've got to get those folks understanding what's expected of them. And then, um, you know, we, we've definitely seen this. More crowd control barriers are better than too few. Uh, the, the more that you help your people flow through the testing area um, and it doesn't have to be intrusive it's just got to be structured Uh, the more you can do that the better your results will be and then lastly it's not just a surveillance camera it's a highly sensitive measurement sensor so you do have to take that in consideration and you do want to work with someone who understands that and can help you optimize that system uh, uh, not only at installation, but continuously through your school year. I would like to add just one thing here really quickly, Ted, if we have time. Yeah, uh, one of the lessons that I learned from observing the inside team with their installation, uh, and one of the things that you know we, we, we ran into some some trouble here and there, some struggles with, with certain cameras, just the environment was was tricky. Uh, and Steve and his team, actually, they had, you know, a, a, basically a temporary setup where they they were able to put a camera onto a mobile unit and that allowed us to kind of move things around a little bit uh to find the the sweet spot so to say Um, you don't want to end up having to you know uninstall a camera and then put another hole in a wall or extend you know run another cable out somewhere uh, because it just didn't work where you originally planned for it so maybe it is a, a good idea to have something that you can move around in the initial planning phases and actually see how it's going to work uh, according to your plan yeah i'd agree with that definitely yeah, and i think that was kind of one of the neat things as i i watched this progress and and we learned more about it is that you know it may have been a more difficult for for inside and for Eagle Eye, but working with the school to not disrupt, you know, not make the kids come through different doors than they were used to coming through to, you know, make sure that you try to keep it as normal as possible and work around that. So that way it becomes easier to control those behaviors because you're not asking them to do something totally new. Correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, Heather, uh, do we, are we have any questions? Uh, Yes, thanks, Ted, for the great information so far. You guys have all made some really great points. We're eager to answer some questions uh, that have come through from the audience. As a reminder, now would be a great time if you have any questions to type them in the Zoom Q&A box or the chat box for us to discuss. And yes, we have a couple. uh, So I'll go ahead and start with our first. Can you give a time frame for how long it takes to get a system like this set up at at a school? So uh, from from the perspective of, of inside the way that we approached it, um, you know, the the site design for we had, uh, for instance, Florence, we had uh, 10 schools or 10 locations. Um, and in that 10 schools, we had 30 deployments uh, that we were doing. And so that takes you know one to two days to effectively go through and do the site design and assure that you have everything that you effectively need uh you know 
probably about two weeks uh, to ensure that you have everything, uh, you know, ordered and shipped and received. And then, uh, you know, you're looking at about for a 30 location kind of situation, about a week to two weeks to actually deploy. So, you know, a total process could be at worst case about a month. Now, one of the good things is about this is uh, the, the, the demand has, of course, shortened some of those timelines. So demand has actually increased manufacturing of the processes, so it's helped with some of that. But, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a process to get everything done and set up and actually executed. Now, one of the highlights there, though, is that uh, if you've ever stood up an enterprise-level VMS platform, that can be a time-intensive process. If you are having to build the server database, uh, you know, load the software, build your system within that software, if you're leveraging cloud through Eagle Eye Networks, that system's already built. That thing is already stood up and running. And essentially the speed to deployment is only going to be determined by the physical install and the and the you know the work you have to do up front to get everything planned properly. Once you get through that installation process, the system itself is ready to go. We're adding the cameras and we're managing that pretty much from the the day we say okay we're ready we're turning this on there is no stand up time to get the servers up and running and to get the database built it's already happened in the cloud yeah absolutely i would agree what with I that i just heard is everybody could have a system up and running by the time they come back in january yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yep. uh, another one i saw a question is up how many people can the system kind of cover in a typical morning traffic what's that that throughput that that you're you're getting and looking for the way that we kind of laid everything out uh, is we, we kind of put forth a couple of different uh, metrics of, of throughput. So we actually have two different cameras that you can use and the, the, the highest level camera is, it, it takes about 30 milliseconds to actually do a, a process and a, a measurement. So, um, you know, the FDA says very clearly they want you to do a single person at a time effectively. But that doesn't mean that that person has to stop or they can flow normally. They can walk through the process just like normal. But we try to narrow that down. So uh, the, the units that we saw, we said if you had over a 1,000 people an hour going through a, a single door, then that was for the highest uh, level or the highest definition uh, camera. If you had less than a 1,000 people going through, that would be for the secondary one. But, um, you know, that high level can do in excess of a thousand people an hour right. it really goes back to the, the the proper process you know we don't want anyone running through there obviously uh, and part of what the inside team did exceptionally well was develop that that crowd control and flow process with the school district and so even though the students are basically filing through the front door single file now uh, which they may not have been doing before it hasn't necessarily slowed them down as far as getting into the school uh, you don't have kids waiting out in the cold in a line the kids are just walking in normally and so long as they walk through the screening area the system is able to pick them up within milliseconds as steve was saying so you know the, the actual throughput is is really more dependent upon a proper uh, process for crowd control than it is the technology of the camera itself. Yeah, Heather, I think we have time for maybe a couple more. 
Sure thing. Uh, we have two more questions if you want to cover these last two. Can CARE Act funds be used to cover this expense? Yes. Um, and so specifically, I'll kind of speak to Alabama, but in general, yes. Uh, and so within Alabama, which is that December 19th um, deadline, the, the CRF funds, which is a subdivision of the overall CARE Act funds to the state, um, are, are eligible for this use. There's only a couple of ways that they can be leveraged. And one of those, like we had mentioned earlier, is through some temporary or six-month salaries for, uh, for additional school nurses. But one of the other keys, and I think there's four total, is screening systems. So specifically, this system falls well within those guidelines. Awesome, that's great news. And this is will be our last question. Are there FERPA concerns that people should be aware of? Specifically, one of the things that we spend it a, spent a lot of time trying to understand was if there was any kind of uh, additional, you know, modifications to say the education record that uh, that that is specifically what FERPA refers to, and and this system falls clearly within the guidelines of of what's been put forth by the U.S. Department of Education uh, as a a typical surveillance style system so um, the recording etc or the face identification none of those kind of things are are an issue with this system um, and they do not modify the education record so there is no FERPA concerns and we we should point out that the system is utilizing facial detection not identification so that we're not able to take that face image of that face and and apply it to a database essentially the algorithm is just identity are just detecting that is a human face not identifying whose face it is absolutely that's that's the critical component and yeah thanks jody this so lots of information there uh but we hope that you found that in-depth discussion on ets or elevated temperature screening devices useful to find out more details on Inside Live Plus ETS, you can go to our products page at inside.io slash products and click on the ETS page. Of course, as always, if you need help with anything, you can contact us on our live chat or reach out to us at help at inside.io. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Safe Inside, a production of Inside Incorporated school safety platform.